This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Walmart's trying to clean up the public relations mess over its decision to change its front door greeter program at about a thousand U.S. stores. Many of the current greeters who are disabled were told they would lose their jobs in April. The retail giant plans to replace them with customer hosts who would help shoppers lift heavy items, keep the entrance area clean, and handle some security functions, among other things. The backlash has come from all parts of the country from disabled uh, disability rights advocates, customers, and even workers. The company's U.S. CEO, Greg Ferran, is now pledging to make, quote, every effort, end quote, to find new positions for these workers. And a few have been offered other roles within the stores. However, several who have already lost their jobs are now part of a lawsuit filed by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Joining us to discuss the impact of this move on disabled workers as well as on the company's image, we're joined by Lex Frieden, who's a professor of biomedical informatics and physical medicine and rehabilitation at the University of Texas Health Science Center. Hank Boyd, clinical professor in the marketing department at the Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland, and Jeff Stoltman, Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovative Programs and an Associate Professor of Marketing at Wayne State University's Illich School of Business. Lex, Hank, Jeff, all of you welcome. Thank you for your time today. Thank Morning, you. Dan. Great to be here. Thank you. Hank, start with you. From the, uh, from the business and marketing side, the optics of this does not look very good. No, it does not indeed. One of the things about Walmart's brand, part of its essence, is the notion that in rural settings throughout the nation, you have a sense of community. When you go to Walmart, you expect to see the greeter. Since 1980, when Sam Walton said, I'm going to show you how it should be done, how we can have that human touch, it's important to have greeters. And over the years, folks have moved into that position that have been disabled and older folks, and it's been a great source of income for them and also a sense of pride. Well, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, because in some of the reporting here, it doesn't appear that this change of policy and really the reasons why they're doing this are, are that well documented, which is another set of issues. Uh, not only not well documented, but uh, clearly bungled in terms of the communication and transition. They look like they're backpedaling pretty good at this point. It, it looks like the broader context of this is something that they actually rolled out a couple of years ago, this idea of the host that would do a variety of functions, and it seems like it's responsive to the change in uh, you know, everything about retail, including that buy online, pick up in store function. Um, they just had no sensitivity, no awareness as to how it would affect the actual individuals who had been in these positions sometimes for you know, close to two decades, who were, yeah. as Hank said, identified at a, at a local level by the people who shop and frequent Walmart. Well, and, and when you think about it, and, and I think when customers go to a Walmart, and Hank touched on this uh, to a bit, uh, Jeff, there's an expectation of certain things. And one of the things that people have been used to seeing are these greeters. Uh, and, and they obviously have provided a, a benefit not only for the company, but for these people as well. It's iconic, right? It is part of their brand. It's part of their culture. Um, they have made an attempt in the past to kind of move, move away from it, and then they reconsidered that and doubled back. It just seems incredibly tone-deaf at this point in terms of the the population of individuals who are affected, but also it seems to be tone-deaf in terms of their brand and and their attempt to establish this 
this friendlier brand, this brand that's not only at a neighborhood level or community level identifiable, but but at a corporate level, uh, an organization that embraces certain cultural values and the idea of corporate social responsibility. It it doesn't make sense in either direction. It might make sense from a cost standpoint, right? But yeah, but somebody in the HR department and somebody in the PR and communications department needed to get together way before they started rolling this thing out and think about the implications. But Lex, and you've done a lot of work surrounding the the Americans with Disability Act. I mean, this is this is uh, this is what has been brought forward to to make sure that people that are dealing with disabilities are treated fairly, that are given opportunities. This has been critical legislation moving forward in in this country. And to see a company make this type of decision is is a little disappointing, to say the least. Well, it's disappointing, Dan. But you know, the reality is they they may well uh, be within their rights to change the job description for that position. It makes no sense from a business standpoint. I think you've heard that, um, the, the, the bad uh, reaction that the public has had to this, probably hurting them much more than the benefit they would gain by changing the position. Um, somebody up there's gotta be scratching their heads right about now, but the reality is uh, Walmart is not the, the source of the problem here. The source of the problem is attitudes about people with disabilities in the workplace. Uh, in uh, when ADA was passed in 1990, uh, th- there were many people who were unemployed, people with disabilities, and we attributed that to discrimination. About 80 percent of the population of people with disabilities. Right. But interestingly enough, today the numbers are about the same. It, the mm-hmm. most recent report by the uh, federal government uh, indicates that while the employment rate among um, People generally, it's 3.7%, the unemployment rate. Among people with disabilities, it's 8%. And Walmart's not doing anything to help resolve this problem. We can't say that they are uh, discriminating in uh, the legal sense of the word, but we can say that they're using pretty bad judgment when it comes to their social responsibility. Well, I, I would think, Lex, that, that that's a little bit of, of walking a fine line when you're talking about, you know, changing the description of the job, because I, I think the intent of the changing of the description in the first place is is to be able to provide more services, which may be at the detriment of of, of the people that are working there uh, that may have a disability. That, well, that's correct. But clearly, the uh, HR person who changed the job description and thought, well, it would be great if we could help people carry their groceries to the car, uh, and maybe we could use this slot for more than we're using it for now. That was, you know, the, the issues of uh, employment equity were above that person's pay grade. And uh, th- this is what's disconcerting. To me, the the fact that you can have these kinds of employment decisions made without giving any consideration to the uh, full range of issues involved. People with disabilities working for Walmart were proud of the company. Uh, They spoke on behalf of the company, and they were ambassadors for the company. And now they've shot themselves in the foot here. Hank, should this have been... The, the hosts I'm referring to here, should this have been an add-on to the Greeters program? I think that would have been the correct approach. I, I agree with Lex wholeheartedly. One of the things that's fascinating when you read the apologia that uh, 
Greg Ferran put together. He started off by saying competition is what's forcing us to do this, and we're going to step up to the challenge. So we've decided to go from people greeter to customer host. Now, when you look at this a little bit more and you start putting it together, you're saying, okay, was it data? Were they getting surveys back saying we want more customer service on the part of folks when they go to Walmart? Was that what drove this decision? But the fact of the matter is you got to scratch your head saying, was this a decision made by committee or was it a decision by fiat? And I have a feeling it's probably more of the latter, where someone stepped up saying, oh, I think this is the way to go. We just look at the numbers and we're going to be fine. And they really didn't envision this backlash that was coming because you have done a disservice to all these folks who had jobs working for Walmart and very proud to work for Walmart. And, of course, since they were at the front line, they were visible, you saw them, this was a wonderful statement of inclusion. Walmart got it right. And now to suddenly take this away so abruptly just feels wrong. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I want to jump in here on a couple of points. First is uh, I I completely agree with Lex and and, uh, Hank on the the impact and and not just the optics, but the actual impact on individuals, human beings who are struggling just to be accepted and to be treated on an equal basis. Um, Two things I want to point out. I think think if you check the record, you'll see that they've been – doing this host thing for close to three years now. And a number of stores have actually already moved to this. This was sort of the last wave. And um, what happened on this occasion is the the volcano erupted uh, first on social media, and then the local and national news outlets picked it up. And and now they have a tiger by the tail. They, They simply can't walk it back. The second point I would make, I have three here. The second point I would make is as much as it is important to keep the focus on Americans with disabilities, there are a large number of elderly uh, greeters that are being tossed to the curb in yeah. this exercise, and they are not included in the notification that the CEO left out. That notification only speaks to those individuals with disabilities. They apparently are still going to keep you know, going forward on anybody who is simply in that position because uh, of their elderly status and they can't meet those requirements. And the third thing I would, I would add to this is it seems like uh, a number of people are picking up on this, which is uh, are they just now sort of sweeping this under the rug and hoping that this this volcano just settles down and that eventually uh, the, the wiggle room, the, the sort of weasel language that's in this memo, um, ends up being how they get out. They didn't say they're going to find these people jobs. They said they're going to make every effort to find right. these people jobs. And without that commitment, I think there's another problem that's just around the corner. But, Lex, I don't, I don't know if there, we can expect this to calm down anytime soon, especially when you have a lawsuit already in play there with the EEOC coming forward on behalf of, of several of these uh, of these greeters. No, and, and the EEOC is taking the approach that uh, uh, your other guests referenced, and that is finding an appropriate position for these people or making uh, a reasonable accommodation. A reasonable accommodation might be to enable that greeter to call upon another fellow staff person who's able to do that aspect of the job that they're not able to do at a given time. So if somebody, you know, in the morning needs some help getting their groceries to the car, the greeter calls another staff person in the store 
to come and assist that person. That, yeah. that, that would be a reasonable accommodation. And those are the questions that the EEOC will have for Walmart. I, I, I guess, uh, Hank, the, the other question I have involves uh, the branding, as you uh, and both Jeff had talked about, with Walmart. And with how big a brand Walmart is, uh, and Jeff mentioned of, of whether or not there would be kind of a sweeping under the rug. How much impact can something like this really have on Walmart? Because I think there is a concern, and we've seen it in, in other instances, of you have this this initial push to want to you know make change and and and, and fix what happened, and then after a while, the mind just kind of loses the the focus on what the the actual fault was. Hank. The fact that uh, the CEO, Greg Foran, if he had said, I'm going to first put out a real apology, that we, we blew this, we botched it entirely, right. and we're going to take corrective steps immediately, then that would have been fine. But he's trying to walk this fine line, and I don't think that's going to pass muster. I don't think it's going to work in, in that regard. So, yes, these impl- implications are going to be huge, I think, because we're talking about a global brand in terms of Walmart. Right. Now, the reason I think they did it in large part, let's talk about it, is Amazon. Amazon sure. has made tremendous strides. So we've got Walmart that's been around for 50-plus years, and they're doing north of like $500 million in revenue. And when you start whittling down to what is their operating income, it falls to about $21 billion. If you look at Amazon, you're talking about a company that's been around for less than 25 years, and they're north now of $230 billion. And when you get all the way down to their net income, it's $10 billion. So there's tremendous pressure in the sense of saying, can we deliver in a space where we're trying to give low-cost items and yet at the same time keep this human touch, even though we've got the overhead of physical store locations that we're competing against Amazon? So it's one of these things they have to map it out in such a way that they keep, I think, these folks that are associated with the brand as greeters. They have to stay there, but they have to do it in such a way that makes sense, not this radical, abrupt change so quickly. You're going to always going to get this sort of backlash. Jeff, your thoughts? Um, a couple of thoughts. One is that, uh, you know, in a couple of instances here and there, it's already been worked out. They've found uh, positions to accommodate individuals. They haven't necessarily changed up uh, the, the job per se, but they have found another place for an individual uh, to land. And I think that's probably the, uh, the impersonal corporate perspective versus what happens at a store level. They, they did not crosswalk persons, you know, Joe Smith or Susie Jones into a new job. They just issued this edict from the top of the mountain, and you got 60 days. I hope you can find something. Yeah. Go, go for it. Now, that's point one. Point two is, you know, Walmart has had a really great depending on how you look at it, three to five quarters uh, of performance, really outstanding, and, and actually kind of coming back and battling Amazon on a couple of key fronts. And they've had a long history of having problems with perceptions about the wages they pay and, and uh, other issues in terms of community impact. They kind of moved away from that, and then they come around in you know, February of 2019, and they just you know, take a sharp stick and poke themselves in the eye. Uh, at a time where consumers generally are starting to embrace corporate social responsibility. Right. The, the, the idea of taking more than just the bottom line into account when you make decisions. And, and, and when you add to that that personal 
element, which was uh, you know, mentioned right at the outset by Hank, where I walk into this Walmart and it's this greeter who I encounter once a week or twice a week. It just, it, 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 like I said before, it boggles the mind that from a corporate standpoint, somebody wasn't looking through the lens and seeing that this was an absurd idea. And, and it comes, Hank, at a time where a lot of these, uh, these retailers are, are battling literally for their lives. I mean, how many retail companies have we seen uh, file for Chapter 11 or close their doors altogether in, in the last few years? And, and Walmart seemingly was one of maybe a couple that, that it, it appeared like they had really turned the corner on this. Exactly. So part of that hometown appeal, I'm thinking about the, the greeters and how long some of these greeters had served. Down in Marion, North Carolina, he had Jay Melton's story. And to have this young man saying, okay, when I get up in the morning, what charges me is to say, I've got a job, and I've got to perform this job. I've got to go to Walmart. Right. And he goes out there, folks know him in the town, and the minute they got wind of the fact that, hey, we're going to lay you off, you've got 60 days in which to figure this out, they immediately said, no, 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 this is Jay. He's part of the community. You've got to find him a job. And they made it happen. And I love in the interview when he was saying, I knew I was loved, but I didn't know I had that much love <laughs> coming my way. And I thought it was a wonderful thing. So on that note, when you look at it from the standpoint of saying what is unique about the brand of Walmart is that sense of community and in the smaller parts in this country, in the rural areas, where they have a meaningful impact. So they can weather the storm. But you're right. You take entities like Sears, it looks like they're going the way of the dinosaur. So then, Lex, when you look at the history of the ADA, and you touched uh, briefly on this before, the impact that having this in play for you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people over the over the course of the years, the, the impact has been what, as you've seen it? Well, it's been marginal, and uh, that's the big problem. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Walmart here, but what about Amazon? What What is the record of Amazon employment people with disabilities? What about the other companies in, in, in America? Why is the unemployment rate among people with disabilities twice that of the non-disabled population. Well, it's not simply because those of us with disabilities have an impairment that prevents us from doing one thing or another. We can do many more things than those we cannot do. And uh, people with disability, back in, in 1990 when we passed the ADA, people made the excuse of saying, well, it's, it'll be a while before people with disabilities get fully integrated before they go through the same school systems, the same training opportunities, and so on as, as the rest of the population. Well, it's been nearly 30 years, yeah. and people, people with disabilities are equally as well-educated as those without, and they are trained equally, if not better, in some fields than others. And why, then, aren't we seeing uh, uh, improvements in the employment rate of people with disabilities. I have to believe that there's some attitudes still out there, and it really frustrates me when I hear about these issues like Walmart has, but it also makes me concerned about the, the larger scope of the problem. But it sounds like it doesn't surprise you, unfortunately, that, that these are still issues. Well, no, because the, we haven't seen great leaps forward. In fact, you know, it, only two years ago, Walmart was kind of uh, the the poster boy for employment of people with disabilities. They received some national award at a conference I was at. So uh, it's how quickly these things can change when one makes a poor decision that doesn't yeah. involve uh, constructive um, uh, strategy. 
You know, Jeff, the other part to this, and and I think you or Hank mentioned it earlier, is the is the social media component. And we're living in a day and time right now where these are stories that that run like wildfire because of the impact that social media has. Yeah, I mean, we 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 on the one hand we talk about how incredible the landscape looks now and how the traditional media, the print and news outlets, uh, you know, broadcast outlets. Aren't, aren't dominating the space, how the social media um, have really changed the equation, and yet apparently don't really realize that it can, it can work for good, if you, if you think of it from a corporate standpoint, or it could, it could come back and bite you big time because of a decision that you made. And it clearly happened here. Um, I, I, I want to I come back to a, a point, which is about uh, – how Walmart, when they make this very specific decision, as as absurd as it is, they lose the opportunity to stay on the signal, which is that they are inclusive. They right. are thinking about those of us in society that don't have as many opportunities. This this basically repudiates that and does it with with a flourish because it also says and mm-hmm. you know there's the door find it in 60 days. It's not just you know like they walked it back. They walked it back and slammed the door. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really ridiculous. And so at one level it's not how they did it because how they did it is I, you know I can go on forever about how they did it. It's that they did it at all right. that, that I can't get my head around. Well, and the other part Hank I think that that plays into this is now not only are they seen as not being inclusive where in this case people with disabilities are concerned but there are other areas of inclusion that obviously will take their cues off of what has occurred here, and this is going to hurt Walmart in a lot of other areas as well. I agree with that. And also on a legal note, one of the things I was struck by, that if you look at some of the decisions handed down in the federal court system, the United States Eighth Circuit, uh, the Court of Appeals, we were dealing with a matter where Pam Huber, she was an employee working at Walmart, she was disabled. And so what happened was they're saying, okay, well, we're going to reassign you to a vacant position. And she wanted to have her old job back, but they said, okay, well, you've got to reapply. You've got to go back in the pool. They hired someone who they felt was more qualified for the position, even though she knew beforehand that she was qualified for it. So it's one of those things when you look at a legal standard, which way are the courts going to go? Now, the Tenth Circuit was very progressive, which covers the state of Oklahoma, where they were saying that pretty much if you have someone who is disabled and you reassign them or a position becomes available, as long as they qualify for it and they're able to do it, you put them in automatically. Right. However, a more conservative view was the Seventh Circuit, where and that's where the Eighth Circuit ended up leaning to say, no, no, what you do is you got to take that person out and they have to be thrown into a pool and they got to compete with everyone else, which I think sends a chilling effect to those disabled folks that are out there saying this is another additional hurdle you're throwing our way. If anything, we've got to take these steps that feel more like affirmative action to make sure that we've got safeguards in there to allow people to have the chance to make a contribution to society. I think that's very important going forward. So it sounds like you're saying that that we need to have a a, a rethink on some of this, and, and it may end up being uh, updated legislation moving forward here. Absolutely. I think that if we can get Congress on board and the Senate on board to say we need to the ADA is a wonderful step forward, but we need to strengthen it where we can. And we've got to put in place these mechanisms that ensure that we can take care of folks 
that are saying, hey, I want this shot. I want this opportunity. I don't want to just sit around the house. I want to be contributing to society. I want to have a job right. and that sense of dignity and pride that goes with it. And that's what you see again and again in all these stories, these folks that worked at Walmart for years. I was struck by one account of a young man. I think his name was Adam. And he had worked at a store at Walmart, and he was so into it that when vacation time came, he said, well, I don't feel right taking vacation. I think I'm cheating the company. He wanted to go to work every day. And I think that is a great thing. Lex, your thoughts? Well, I, I, first of all, ADA is not an employment law per se. It's a non-discrimination law. Right. And it may be time that we need to consider uh, affirmative action when it comes to people with disabilities. It also occurs to me that uh, if I were uh, in the market for a job, I'd be applying to Walmart today because I'll bet you their rate of employment over the next few weeks of uh, people with disabilities, I bet, I bet if you have a disability, you yeah. apply there, uh, you're going to be welcome. Jeff, final thoughts, about a minute left. Uh, my final thought would be roughly 74 million people over the age of 65. Don't lose sight of the fact that this is about not just those with disabilities, but an awful lot of senior citizens were also um, summarily dismissed in this action, and, and they are not under uh, any protection based on what uh, the CEO has issued in his memo. Gentlemen all, great to have you with us. Thank you for uh, joining us and, and uh, giving us a great discussion here. Thank you, Lex. Thank Jeff. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lex Frieden at uh, the University of Texas Health Science Center, Hank Boyd at the University of Maryland, and Jeff Stoltman, who is at Wayne State University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.